Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. It's good seeing you today. Um, I'm dealing with a kidney stone, so if I uh, have a loud outburst, just assume I'm being filled with the Holy Spirit. And... um, (laughs) Or you can know that the kidney stone decided to make a left turn. So <clears throat> anyway, I appreciate your prayers with that. I, f- I felt bad, uh, you know, because I, I was laying it, lay, having to lay down last night, and Mary was under the house fixing a vent that had separated from the air handling unit. And uh, I felt bad because I was having to stay upstairs and nurse my uh, <clears throat> kidney stone. And then I started thinking, so what would have been different anyway if I hadn't had a kidney stone? Nothing. And uh, so anyway, I, uh, I'm, I'm doing okay, and so, but I appreciate your prayers. Well, we're in 2 Timothy, and today we're in chapter 3. And, and as we go through this, we're going to run into a whole list of words. And these are descriptive words talking to a belief, talking about believers now, and, uh, and so basically, you're talking about a list of words of believers who are living without the Holy Spirit, who are living under their own power, not the power of God. And so what we can do, and this, you can do this in your notes, when we hit a word that is a descriptive of a, a believer who is not living in the power of the Spirit, we'll come up with the opposite word of a person who is living in the power of the Spirit, of what their life would be like if they took this negative thing and expressed it to God in the correct way. And usually when there is a negative expression in a person's life, it it is a representation of a positive thing that has gone bad or a positive thing that has been stripped of its power. And and so we're going to see that uh, when Paul talks to Timothy and Timothy is pastoring a church in Ephesus, which was a pretty large city. And, and here's what he says. You, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. Now, when he uses the word days, it's easy for us to think about, oh, he's talking about, you know, the, he's talking about a short period of time, you know, like in terms of days, weeks, and months. But really, when he uses this phrase, last days, uh, it's, it's really an epoch. It's, it's a period of time. And for us, in what this verse is saying, he is describing the period of time from when Jesus ascended into heaven, and now he's in heaven, and one day he will descend back to earth, and that'll be called the second coming. And so the period from 2,000 years ago, when Jesus lived here on earth and went back to heaven until he returns, that period of time is called the last days. So whenever you see the phrase last days, you're living in it. Now that does not mean that Jesus is going to return tomorrow or next week, although he can, uh, it could still, it may not even be in your lifetime, but it could be. And so Paul is talking about this period of time. And, and certainly in this period of time that uh, we have seen, just in this generation and the last generation, we have seen periods where there was incredible evil that was happening. Um, 
Some of you were living during World War II, that six-year period that the whole world was going at it, and we, the United States, was a part of that, the last four years of that. And during that six years, over 50 million people were killed, and most of them were civilians. Now, they're not even sure. They still think that that number is way conservative. And so certainly that would be considered a very evil time. And there have been many of those periods of time throughout history. And in fact, there may be some times in some regions of our world that it seems like a very evil thing is going on in that period of time uh, uh, today in that, in that particular area. But we do know this as well. The closer we get to Jesus returning, things will intensify. Uh, things will gear up. The Bible's very clear about that in the book of Revelation of how things will become more intense as we reach the very end of the last days. So keep that in mind. So now in verse two, here's, here's what it's gonna be like. And what we're gonna see is a lot of bad behavior. Now, when you see a bad behavior, you can back up a little bit and trace it back uh, when I'm dealing with somebody in counseling that's dealing with some bad behavior, I try to get back to a f some things over here. So bad behavior usually means there's been some bad decisions, some bad choices. And when there's bad choices and bad decisions, there tends to be some bad theology that that person has chosen to believe. So when you have bad theology... It will lead to bad choices, which will lead to some bad behavior. And so this is some of the things we're going to discover are taking place. So Paul says this in verse 2. In those last days, which we're living in now, it says people will love only themselves. Now, obviously, he's not talking about everybody, but he's talking about some people. And he's talking about people that are in the church. That's what makes this so difficult. He's talking about people who claim to be believers. And the very first phrase is the foundation of everything else we're going to read. That people are only, they love only themselves. Because you know, we're told to love ourselves. I mean, Jesus said the two great commandments is love God and love others as yourself. So Jesus says you're supposed to love yourself, but there's a right way to love yourself. So when a person is, they take this, oh, I'm supposed to love myself. That's not a bad decision. But when they add that one word in it, love only myself, then they've gotten into some bad theology. So when they buy into that bad theology that it's all about me love me and that's it, then I'm going to make a lot of bad decisions, which is going to lead to a lot of bad behavior. And that's the list we're about to see. He says, for people will love only themselves. So self-love or lover of self, the opposite of that for a Christ-filled person who is a Christ follower and is filled with the Holy Spirit is a selfish love. A self, I'm sorry, a selfless love. They love themselves, but in the right way. 
It's a selfless love, a love that they give up of themselves and they give themselves to others. So people love only themselves and their money. They become materialistic. So it's not just the money, but it's what the money does. You see, I love myself and I love my money because my money lets me love myself even better because I get to spend it on me. So the opposite of that, a person who's not filled with the Holy Spirit loves their money and what it does for them. And the Bible doesn't say that money is the root of evil. It says the love of money is the root of evil, the root of all evil. And so the opposite of that is learning to be generous. So a person who loves Jesus and has the Holy Spirit in them, when it comes to their resources, they're going to learn to be generous. They'll be generous with what they have. Now, there's a difference between being generous with what you have than being generous with what you don't want. It's like we had a tithe the closet Sunday, and uh, the gateway was very generous. I think we filled up seven trucks full of clothes. But you know, when I, go, when I went through my closet and started pulling out stuff, it was easy to pull out the stuff I didn't want to wear anymore. It's easy to be generous with stuff I don't want. But when I had to say, you know what? There's some stuff, not only do I not want some of this stuff, there's some stuff I don't need. And I need to be generous with the stuff I don't need. In fact, there's some stuff I want. I need to learn to be generous with the stuff I want. If I'm really going to be generous, if it's something I really want to keep, then really being generous is learning how to let go of that. You know, everything that you hold on to very tightly is usually an area of your life God's going, you're inviting God to work on you. When I hang on to something very tightly and I just don't want to let go of it, that's going to be the very place that the Holy Spirit starts working in you. Because he's saying to you, you know what? You're hanging on to something that's just temporary. I want to teach you to hang on to the stuff that's eternal. So a person that doesn't care about the Holy Spirit, they love only themselves, which leads to materialism, so they love their money instead of loving others. They will be boastful and proud. That only makes sense. You see how this logically starts falling along? You know, I love myself, and I love my money and what it buys me, and I like for everybody to notice because, see, I love myself, so I want you to notice me, and I want you to see me, and I want you to see my stuff because I want you to be happy for me, and I really want you to be jealous of me. That's what a person who loves themselves, they, they actually want you to be jealous of them. So they become boastful. The opposite of boastful, a person who is um, Christ-filled and spirit-filled, they just don't brag. They don't make it about themselves. In fact, they choose not to brag about the things that, that they ought to be bragging about. They just, they don't brag about it. Our son... Um, moved recently and you know he hates when I talk about him so 
sorry. Uh, if you're listening, Mac, sorry. Um, <laughs> we, he moved recently into another house in Charlotte. So uh, Mary and I were helping him move, in the air, move the stuff that they didn't want the movers to f- mess with, like his instruments and things. And so I was down in his office getting some things ready, and I was going to put it in my car and move it over there. And I found, stacked, it was back in the closet somewhere. I started pulling stuff out of his closet. I pulled out something. I said, what is this? And I started reading it. I said, oh, this is a gold album. That represents a half a million cells. I said, wow, I didn't know he had this. And then I pulled out something else, and I pulled out was another gold album. I went, wow. And then I pulled out another one, and I said, oh, my goodness, this is a platinum album. That's a million cells. Man, retirement's looking better and better. <laughs> and, and I'm sitting there going, I looked, and Matt came down in his office and said, dude, what is this? He said, oh, that's nothing. I said, why, why, didn't, you, why didn't you hang this on your on your wall. Ah, no, I don't do that. Well, I'll take it. (laughs) You know, I'll put them hanging on my wall, you know, you brag on you. And he said, no, no, I don't don't like that. And, and, And I appreciated that. I mean, that was an indication of being spirit filled. Here he had something to brag about, but he wasn't going to because he didn't want it to be about him. He wanted it to be about who he sang about. And that was Jesus. So I'm learning from my son. So if I am, if I am walking in the spirit, I want to not brag. If I'm walking in self, I can't do nothing but brag because I love me and I only love me and I love my money for what it buys me and I love my stuff and I want you to be jealous of my stuff. You see, you see how this works? They'll be lovers of only themselves and their money. They'll be boastful. They'll be proud, which the opposite of that is just being humble. In fact, the more God blesses you, the more humble you need to be. I mean, here's the reality. What if God gave you what you deserved? If God really gave us what we deserved, you and I would not be in heaven. We would have no hope for heaven. We would have no salvation if we truly got what we deserved. So if you're going to brag about something, brag about what you really deserve. And, and, and so to say, you know, I don't deserve to be saved. I don't deserve heaven. It's only by God's grace. Now that's something to brag about. And that's what a humble, humble person says. They, they get the spotlight off of themselves and they put it on Jesus. That it's all about Jesus. In fact, the very next phrase, it says they become scoffers of God. Instead of loving God's word, which that's what a Christ-filled person does, a person who loves only themselves. Now, when I say scoffing at God, they may not rear their fist up at God, and they may not say things to God, but you scoff at God when you ignore his word that you don't like. If you ignore the words in the scripture that you don't like and you don't want to feel convicted and you would rather it not be in scripture and you want to ignore those words, that's scoffing at God. 
you see, it's kind of like my, my wife. I could say really mean words to her, and it would hurt, but ignoring her, that even hurts deeper. That's saying, I don't even care that you exist. Scoffing at God, well, when you ignore him, you're scoffing at him. You're saying, I don't care what you think, God. But a person who loves the Lord with all their heart, they care about what God says, and they care about his word, and they love his word. So they'll be scoffers at God. They want to ignore everything that God would say is contrary to the way they're living. They disobey their parents. Now, you may say, well, that doesn't apply to me. I'm out of the house. But in that culture, in that time, you know, there was a matriarch, there was a patriarch, and, and, and a man was head of his house and his kids and his grandkids, and as long as he was living, he was the head. And there was an authority structure, and there was a respect for that authority. And so he's saying, look, when it's all about you, you will resent authority. That's what this is saying. You'll just have a resentment for authority. Anybody who tells you no, you, you don't like. Anybody that's going to tell you no, you don't want to hear it. The opposite of that is uh, submission. That when you are Christ-filled, you learn to have a submissive heart. A pastor friend that I spend a lot of time with and we pray together. Um, we've been praying for his son. Uh, his son struggles with this whole thing about authority. He kind of resents it. He's, he's going to be graduating from high school. And he told his daddy, he said, you know, I, just, I don't like the rules. I don't like you telling me what to do. I want to do what I want to do. And as soon as I graduate from high school, I'm joining the military. <laughs> and he and I both just laughed. And then he said, and guess what, Don? He's joining the Marines. I said, oh, great. <laughs> Talking about somebody who doesn't like authority in your house, you just, all you're doing is saying, hey, you need to be home at a certain time. You need to study. Not, you know, just do the basic stuff. Now he's joining something. You don't brush your teeth unless they give you permission to brush your teeth. And you got to brush them the way they tell you to brush them. You talk about authority. Isn't that funny that what we do... When we reject God's way of doing things, we just force his hand to make it harder on us to get our attention. So the young man did not want to learn and submit to his parents' authority. God says, okay, I'm going to teach you another level of authority. Because you see, me respecting the authority I have here on earth is a reflection of my respect of God's authority. That's why the Bible says things like, honor your father and mother. Children, obey your parents. He's teaching us how to respect his authority. And he says, I've used your parents as temporary authority over you. And when you learn to respect that, then you're learning to respect me because you're going to be under my authority for eternity. And even if you want to be far away from God, guess what? The Bible says that even in hell, every knee will bow 
at the name of Jesus and will declare his lordship. You just can't get away from authority. You have to learn to respect it. You have to learn to submit to it. But when I'm a lover of only me, I don't want anybody in my life who can tell me to do something counter to what I want. So they'll be disobedient of their parents, and obviously they'll be ungrateful. You, you see, they'll be so angry at their parents that they cannot see the good that their parents have done. You know, during this Thanksgiving time, a lot of you are going to be together with your family or some of you are going to be with your parents you've not seen in a while. And if you had good parents, I want to tell you, one of the best gifts you could give your parent if you just sat down with them and just say to them, say, you know what? I can't thank you enough that you gave me a safe place to grow up. You, you allowed me to become who God wanted me to be. You protected me, you watched over me, you provided for me, you fed me, you clothed me, you kept a roof over my house, over our house. Just being thankful, that's the opposite of being ungrateful. You see, when we become ungrateful, we focus on the one thing you say no about, and I forget about the 99 things you said yes about. When we were raising our kids, one of the rules that we had was, we wanted to say yes as much as possible. So we tried to let our first response be yes to something that the kids would request. But a lot of times we had to say no for their own protection. But Mary and I would talk and we would say, now is there any way we can say yes to this? And if we say no, we really can't say yes to this. But we can say yes to this. We can modify it. Uh, we can change it a little bit, and then we'll be able to say yes to it. And, uh, and, and we wanted our kids to respect authority, to respect our authority. And, and when they did, it made us want to, want to say yes as much as possible. But when they didn't, then we had to say no more than we wanted, really wanted to for their own, their own good. The last part of verse 2 says, they consider nothing sacred. Basically what that means is no boundaries. There were no boundaries. The, uh, people who are lovers of only themselves, they don't like fences. They don't like any kind of boundaries. They don't like any kind of rules that'll keep them from what they want. But if I'm a Christ-filled person, then I'm gonna be submissive and I'm gonna be thankful, but I'm gonna be respectful. I'm gonna be respectful of the rules. When, you know, when I read something in scripture that comes across as a negative rule, I just have to say, thank you, Lord, that you love me enough that you said no to this because you're protecting me from something that would destroy me. So thank you. Even when I wish the Bible didn't say this, thank you for saying it because I know you're trying to protect me. So learning to be thankful. Now verse three. They will be unloving and unforgiving instead of being loving and full of grace. Unloving and unforgiving. Well, that only makes sense. If I only love me 
And, and if I only love me, I don't have room for love for anybody else. So I'm going to be unloving to everybody else because it's all about me. And, and if I am loving only me, then you're not going to get any grace from me. And if you hurt me, I'm going to resent it and I'm going to hang on to that forever and ever. Amen. Because it's all about me. So when you say no to me, I'm not going to forget that. When you hurt me, I'm not going to forget that because it's all about me. But see, when I make it all about Jesus, then it's much easier to forgive somebody who wounds us. And here's why. When I'm wounded by someone, it's easy to say to Jesus, say, Lord, I know I've wounded you a lot worse than they've wounded me. And you have forgiven me more times than I can count. And I need to have a forgiving heart towards them. Because what, I, what they've done to me is nothing compared to what I've done to you. See, that's being full of grace. The grace that I've received. When someone is narcissistic, which is, that's a word for loving only yourself. When someone makes a mistake with them and they even ask for forgiveness, they may give it, but they don't forget. And they love to rub it in your face every chance they get. But when you do something wrong and you're narcissistic, you love it when you get grace and you love it when you give forgiveness. But here's what I've watched in so many people. I had a friend one time who made a horrible decision, a horrible mistake. And he was forgiven. He got grace for that. And then there was somebody else who did the exact same thing. And man, they pounced like a tiger on them. And I was like, whoa, how quickly we forget. You did the exact same thing, and you were so grateful for the forgiveness you got, but now you don't want to dispense that grace. You don't want to give that grace that you received. That's characteristic of a narcissistic person. I got the grace I want but I don't want you to get it because it's all about me. Wow. You see how this just leads further and further down a, a dead-end road? They'll be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others. That just means they'll talk badly about them. They're, they'll say things about them, whether they're truthful or not. They just will put people down. And so that means if you're not controlled by the Spirit, you can't control your tongue. And so instead of controlling their tongue, they just let it loose. And, and the reason they like to point out all the flaws in everybody else is because it gets the spotlight off of their flaws. If I make you look bad enough and then I stand next to you, I look pretty good. That's why you only wanted friends that weren't as good looking as you, made you look better. 
When you fail to give grace, you're mocking the grace that God has given you. Loving others. They have no, verse 3, and this only makes sense, they have no self-control. See, not only can they not control their tongues, they cannot control their actions. Ultimately, when it's all about you, you lose control. You just lose control of yourself. The Bible says in verse 3, they will be cruel and hate what is good. That means they are um, not kind at all. A spirit-filled person is a kind person. A spirit-filled person is one who loves what is good. When they see good in you, they want to applaud it. They want to celebrate you. They want to pat you on the back. But you see, when, you see, when you're a narcissistic person and you see good in someone else, you hate it because it reflects badly on you. You know, the good in them reminds you of the bad in you, and that's why you hate the good in them. Instead of saying, wow, I could learn from this person, you resent the fact that they're representing something that you're not. That's a lover of self. Verse 4. They will betray their friends. Well, that only makes sense. You'll be unfaithful to your friends because, hey, it's all about you and what you want. And, and if it costs you a friendship, no big deal. That's, that's why a, a person who's narcissistic can so easily walk away from his family and start another. Because it's all about them. I never understood that. They will betray their friends. They'll be reckless instead of thoughtful. They will be puffed up with pride instead of humble. They will love pleasure rather than loving God. So they will love pleasure rather than self-denial. In fact, Jesus made it clear. He said, hey, if you're going to follow me, you've got to learn to do something. That is to deny yourself. You've you got to learn to say no to you. You've got to say no to yourself. How often do we have to do that? Well, according to Jesus, he says, you've got to deny yourself every single day. It's a daily battle to, deny, to deny, deny yourself. You have to do it every day. To say no to me, to say yes to Jesus. But a narcissistic person is not going to do that. They're going to say yes to themselves every time they can. And then as a result, they, they're just puffed up with unreal pride. And they love pleasure even at the expense of loving God. As long as it makes them feel good, even if it's temporary, then it's okay. Verse 5, they will act religious, but they will reject the power that, that could make them godly. Wow. That's it right there. Religious versus being a Christ follower. 
filled with religion or filled with Jesus? So which are you? Maybe there are times when you're closer to one than you are to the other. Maybe right now you're closer to being filled with Jesus, but maybe a week from now you may be closer to being filled with just rules and regulations and religion. You see, this, this scale that we just went through in Second Timothy, it's always changing in your life. You see, Jesus said, deny yourself daily. So it's a daily thing. Every day you have to deal with this tendency to love self. Every day you have to deal with this thing of greed and pride and arrogance. Every day you have to deal with this idea of, I don't want anybody saying no to me. I don't like authority. I mean, you have to deal with that every day. So you get to choose. Am I going to live like a person who's void of Christ, even though I claim to be a Christian? Or am I going to live the spirit-filled life? I have to make that decision every single day. And when I stop making that decision, I promise you, you're going to find yourself hanging out over here more and more. And the longer you hang out over here, the more comfortable you will become. And you're setting yourself up. And you're going to wind up with a great fall that can be devastating. So do you reject the Holy Spirit today? Or do you walk in the Holy Spirit today? Let's pray.